This is Vixen John, creator of Minute Made New York, and you're listening to Minutes Heard. On today's episode of Minutes Heard, we're taking it to the streets. For those of you who live here, we all know that the streets of New York can be very unpredictable, yet beautiful at the same time. They house many characters, from the ones who make you do a double take, to the ones who catch your attention and surprise you in a brilliant way. These individuals caught my eye, which is why I decided to add them to my series and capture their stories. I hope to capture more people like this, but for now, sit back and enjoy. A couple years ago, I went through some some rough stuff with my family, and a close friend of mine passed. Uh, parents split up. It was sort of a it was a tough period, and. Um, and because of that, I had to uh, basically leave where, my job where I was working. And I was living on the road for about uh, a little over a year. I was in my car, living in the trunk of my car. But the story is when I, I got to drive around sort of national parks around the country. And when I was in Wyoming, I, I was driving through a, a sort of state highway. Um, and... Uh, it was real late. I had no idea where I was going in terms of the navigation or anything like that. My phone started going out. I got, uh, I was, the state highway, I guess, led through this uh, this mountain. I got about near the peak of it when my navigation completely cut out and snow started coming down real thick, so thick that I couldn't see anymore. So I eventually stopped thinking I'd just, you know, post up there for the night. Uh, I got outside my car and I saw something sort of moving a few feet away. Um, I looked a little closer, and it was a baby mountain lion. Um, I'd never seen one before, and they move like, you know, cats, uh, except they're big. They're the size of, like, a medium, large-sized dog. Um, so I was a little unsure about what this mountain lion was going to do, and it started looking at me, and then another one came up, and it came over to it. So I guess they were, you know, siblings or something like that. Um... And I, at this point, I was fairly worried that, you know, the mother was going to come out and, and come after me or something. But we ended up having a beautiful moment uh, where I was staring at the mountain lions, staring back at me, um, and I felt really, really connected. Just earlier that night, a police officer pulled me over. It was a real bad time. Uh, and the mountain lions, another, animal, you know, creature that I expected would sort of be a a threat to me, um, ended up really connecting and touching me there. We were the only creatures out in the snow there. There's no one else around. Um, and so we ended up having a sort of moment together, came a little closer, and then I got in the car and had to stay there for the night. The car didn't uh, start up right away in the morning, so I was, I was stuck there for like a day afterwards on top of the mountain. But I felt real good about that, and I guess that comes back to the perspective on the world. Uh, is that I think there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that in the things that we can fear and find uh, predators or, or threats to us that um, that there's there's a deep uh, there's a deep power in regarding those as as you know creatures like ourselves and 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 connecting with them and I think that's way over a minute I'm sorry no 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 it's fine <laughs> I'm gonna chop it up anyway. okay okay no, cool it's fine just story story but yeah yeah so I guess yeah that's the perspective is that I think. Uh, um, fear and uh, um, fear and the unknown is uh, is a tremendous force. I think in all of our lives, fear of what we can't do, uh, 
or what we can and um, what we're capable of and what other people are capable of. I think it's a tremendous energy in our lives. And, uh, and when we look right at it, I think, at least for me, when I look right at it, when I have the strength to, because sometimes I don't, but when I have the strength to, it sort of opens up everything uh, in life. And I think, um, and it really makes me feel, feel connected to all things and like I have a purpose and like life is a lot greater um, than I usually think of it as. What motivates you to wake up every day and uh, get going, make the best of it? What's your motivations in life? Oh, just to enjoy feeling normal because you never appreciate feeling normal until you get sick or injured. So every day you wake up feeling normal is a good day and just, you know, take advantage of that. Go from there. Cool, cool. Um, golf, please explain explain the beginnings for you. How'd you get into it? Uh, what is the allure? Uh, what is your passion? Why are you so passionate about golf? Oh, I'm passionate about a few things, but golf is just to amuse myself while I'm out here, you know, uh, with my pictures on display. I, um, I found a golf club one day, a garbage can, and I wanted to try my hand at golfing, so I had a tennis ball on me. I was hitting, hitting a tennis ball against a building that was under construction, and after a while it, it didn't come back down after a few hits, so I didn't want to throw the golf club away, so I kept the golf club and wanted to get something else to hit. So I got the milk containers, and uh, it stuck, it stuck, it stuck. It's going on eight years now. So do you, um, when it comes to your imagery and pictures, you said the other day that you don't call yourself a photographer, but more of a photojournalist. So just yeah. explain a little bit more how you got into photography and how is this uh, a part of your release? Um, my mom got me into it. Uh, my dad took pictures also. Um, he was a journalist, a, a writer. Um, when I take pictures, I just see... Situation. I just capture situations. You know, I'm not the artist type where I can see something on a wall, and you know, you know, visual visualize it on a piece of paper. You know, I um, I just document certain things. And my goal actually is to be a historian. So I've captured a few images that uh, capture the short time that I'm here in the village area. So I've documented a few of the part performers over the years. You know, between 97 and 99, 2000. So, you know, I'm trying to do a book about that. And uh, along the way, I've gotten some other good material. But my main, my main thing is to capture something important more than, than something pretty. If I can get something pretty along the way, then it's all good. Uh, and to recent memory, what is your most, like, memorable image or memory that you've captured, so to speak, that you can think of off the top of your head? Well, I mean, I'm looking at him. <laughs> I'm looking at Sebastiano, and that's why he's on the easel. He's my... I have a lot of shots to be proud of, but he's my classic. I mean, there's no doubt that he's my classic. You know, I don't consider myself an artist, but waiting for her trainer, she's my art shot. You know, so... Uh, I have a lot of shots to be... I mean, a lot. A lot, a lot of memorable moments. But uh, off the top of my head, nah, I'd be unfair to pick one. Of course. Um, so what, what was the most recent uh, image that you captured? So the story behind just the most recent one. I tell you, the coolest thing I captured, man, was then you were you came in, uh, a little bit afterwards, and that was when uh, I was playing a cop yesterday, you know, in uniform. Because you never know when you're playing a cop when they're out of uniform. But when they're in uniform, it's all man. It's, that, that's like 
the cherry on the on the on the, uh, on the Sunday, you know, when you. Uh, for me to have gotten that. I've gotten a firefighter, I've gotten a priest in his collar. So, yeah. And for you, like, what, um, why do you feel like the, I guess, what's the significance of, like, capturing these different people, so to speak, everyday people, just, like, partaking in this very simple activity? Like, is it for you, is it just, like, astonishing, or is it kind of like, it just shows that kind of human connection, or is it just, like, something simple as person that's taking themselves out of their own day to engage in something like as simple as just playing street golf, so to speak. What do you mean, if I let somebody swing? No, no, I mean, just in the sense of, like, you said, like, you know, just seeing a cop play, you know, was kind of, like, astonishing. Well, you know, listen, man, hey, look, we can get arrested for being ourselves. And, you know, when you see a guy swinging a golf club on the street, <laughs> that can be, that's an arrestable offense. If he's not, if, you know, you don't know what he's doing with a golf club, there's a guy swinging a golf club. But, um... So, I can't do this everywhere. I can't get away with it everywhere. I have, to, I have to pick a place that's, you know, suitable for it. Uh, this little block right here is an oasis in all this traffic of people and cars. This little, these two little blocks. So, um, it's, it's, it's okay to play here sometimes and I can get away with it. I don't push it. I don't try and take over the street. You know, people walk here so I have to be patient and everything like that. But, um... The fact that a cop was playing yesterday, you know, from, from going to, I mean, I've gotten a couple of tickets in the past, creating a dangerous and hazardous condition. You know, there's got some um, swinging a golf club. You don't know if he's going to be dangerous and what he's doing, if he's looking at people around, walking behind him or whatever, which I do. I pay a great deal of attention to all that. Because, you know, when I give somebody the club to let them swing, which is rare, but when I do, I always tell them, I will let you know when it's safe to swing. Don't even swing if there's anybody walking down the block. Because I don't want them getting nervous, thinking that there's something coming towards them. Um, so, to have a cop swing is like showing that, okay, it's acceptable in some ways. No, in this location anyway. I mean, you know, it's just like, yeah. So maybe I, you know, maybe it's not that bad, you know. <laughs> it's like I'm not doing something that's criminal. You know, which is like the way some people will see it as soon as they see it. So, yeah. And I, you know, <clears throat> I, even I even explained to him the rules of the game out here. And when yeah. it comes to your images, once again, like, what's, what do you want people to take away from the images that you display uh, on oh. the street? Oh, I don't know what they're going to take away from it. All I know is that I take pictures that, I take pictures from myself. I take pictures that I can look at and say, okay, I like that. And I do. I look at my pictures and say, I like that. So, um, you know, I don't, I hope they walk away liking my work. I mean, I know some do. Some don't even notice. But they'll just, you know, people, I notice that a lot, a lot of people walk around with uh, mental blinders on. I mean, they don't look sideways and they don't even look down sometimes because I see that when I, when I have the containers on the ground. And people walk into it. I'm like, wait a minute, these things are not that small, you know? So how can you not see something like that right in front of you like that? But anyway, no, some people don't even notice my work. But the people that do, I appreciate. And the people that really stop and recognize and even admire them, and uh, I, I, I appreciate more. And I've gotten recognition from, you know, Bonif um, photographers who make a living at it. And they, they recognize and appreciate my work. So that's cool. And when people spend their hard-earned money buying my work, you know, that's even better. 
But my goal is to have these pictures be around after I'm gone because some of the people that I've gotten in my pictures are very special people. So I want them to be remembered. And you know, hey, listen, you never know what an important picture is until you say to yourself, you know what, I should have taken a picture of that five, ten years ago. You know, when it's all gone or changed or something's different. So my job is to capture something, capture what I can. That's my job as a picture taker, as a serious picture taker, to capture something that will be around so when people look at it 10, 50 years from now, they can, it'll, it'll be around in 10 or 50 years. That's something that will be important enough or good enough that people will see in another 50, 100 years. So just tell me uh, what motivates you to, you know, just get up and live life, like, just be out there. I'm a happy camper, number one. I always look at things in a positive. To me, everything and anything is a positive. Whatever music, whatever weather, whatever skies, trees, people, fashion, children, music, arts. That's, I mean, but, but if the children are not content, then I will not give in. This tranquility is all natural. You don't need of nothing. It's simply free. It's the same sun, the same moon, the same trees, the same everything. To look at the gardens is beautiful. It's tranquil. It gives one peace. And that's why they put these here, to give time out. Because they're also aware of this. Right. Um, let's see, another question is... Um, what is Laughter your... is the best policy, by far. It's a healthy medication. Working out... is You need to work out. At least walk, whatever the case... You need, these are all natural remedies. Medication is not that necessary if needed. Observe what you're eating. Drink plenty of water, good God. And take out time to enjoy the moment. For tomorrow's not promised to no one. New York in a minute. You gotta cross the street with 5,000 people, let's call a herd. Follow the herd. If not, they have to stop because it's 5,000 people going at once and we're all coordinated in a New York moment. 5,000 people crossing the street without mayhem and kayham and stumbling and rumbling because you learn how to when you come to New York City, New York. The balancing of all balancing of the world. The how to walk through the puddles, through the rain, through the snow, that. New York is the school of all schools. 
because it's all so open. Every corner, every block is a different learning, lessons, people, nationalities, fashions, uptown, downtown, west side, east side, this, that, above, meeting of all minds. And then together, sooner or later, they come to meet and they transfer data, knowledge, and information, and bang. This is where the wisdom comes in the knowledge. What are having to go to school is not needful. But it, it, it gives you an opening door. However, what comes out of your mouth is a whole nother story. You fit the part, you look the part, but when you open your mouth, does it look right? So, does it matter if you don't know what you're speaking about, what you're worrying about doesn't comply? Um, do you have a story that you might want to share? I mean, I'm going to chop this up to a minute, so, mm -hmm. yeah. you know. But, um, anything else you may want to add? That could be interesting. <laughs> well. Or how about this? What are your thoughts about the world in front of you? Good or bad? Um, it's, 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 it's not a good thing. It's becoming too, um, too negative. Too, the respect is number one. What I respect is nothing. As simple as that. If you do not appreciate respect, then you have nothing to begin with. And that is the problem. You need to be humble. You need to take action. I mean, this is why the corporate offices work as they do. Everyone has their part. United, they stand. Divided, they fall. No, I'm not a leader. I'm just an advisor. I don't want to be the boss because it's not about the money. It's about the voice. I need of nothing. I give. I'm a happy camper. I love... Oh, when it comes to fashion, I can make a whole other trend beyond trends. Believe me when I tell you. I can see good quality from here to Hong Kong gate next and colors that collage collide like what whatever next people say no way impossible possible because of art is an art all colors so then why can't one wear art and pull it together like that right right back to music music is good for the soul and where did the music come from God Jesus in the Bible music does the body good right the Bible is no mystery as they say we must read it it is a mystery it is a big mystery it's not the mystery is is to pull thy person. For them it's a mystery, you see. 
And for some, it's not as hard. It's as simple as that. It is not a mystery. Again, respect thyself and respect thy neighbor. If you don't have that, you have nothing. And number one, the children, the children are the angels of thy earth. And the reason why children suffer and die and, you know, mayhem, what have you, what not, because they are not listening. And he's willing so hard to put them to that, to be heard, and still they are not listening. So it's not a mystery, really, at all. But for some it is. And he was willing to pull my soul, my mind, spirit, mind, body, soul, spirit, etc., etc., eyesight, movement, body, everything. To pull, to pull, to try, to try, to try to walk them along the journey. But it's really not a mystery at all. If it's within yourself, then it's all natural. And if you have that, then you have the gifts that you can heal, which I've done. I was healed. I fought the devil. Yes, I did. He followed me all his life. Yes, he did. There's facts, documentaries, people, eyewitnesses. Right. And they will come forth. Amen. What motivates you to wake up every day and make the best of it? What's your motivation to it? Uh, I'm not always sure. And I think the key is actually to just get up and do it anyway. Um, if I spend a lot of time trying to think about what my what's making me feel like, yes, I really want to get up and be excited about this, that can actually be really dangerous um, because I don't completely know what I am doing right now. And if I spend too much time thinking about what's motivating me, what I'm doing, then I won't do anything, right? I'll just kind of sit and think instead of doing. Fair enough. All right. So what is your current occupation? Uh, My current occupation is unemployed which is part of why I don't want to spend too much time thinking hard about what is motivating me because the short answer to what is motivating me is that I have a dog to walk and I need to find a job. But those are really pretty boring answers. And if I think about them too much, I get sort of bored with myself and stressed out. So instead, I'm trying to make a habit of just getting up, taking a walk, having some coffee, and um, not getting too caught up, like I said, in the sort of the minutia of, of why I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm not doing anything right now. Fair enough. So, spin that question on his head, what would be your dream job? Like, if you could wake up every day and do this one thing, what would that be? So this is actually why it's stressful to think about because I don't know what my dream job would be. I'm not sure that there is a dream job for me. Um, I mean, okay, back up. Short answer, I'd love to wake up disgustingly rich and not have to look for a job but still do things, right? And then just do what I wanted when I wanted because I wanted to do it. That's not a real job. So that's not actually like a, that's not a life plan, right? Um, I like to write. 
I like to edit. I'm very good. I tend to be good with words and with helping people make their words better. And that's partially because I was a teacher for a while and partially just because it's a skill that I have. Um, so I think in my next job, I work in the nonprofit sector. And I'm still looking for nonprofit jobs, but I think I'm looking for nonprofit jobs where I do more writing and editing and more sort of storytelling in the professional sense and less fundraising because fundraising sucks. I'll make sure to drop that joke. <laughs> <laughs> because go. fundraising sucks. Well, that's the soundbite. What is your viewpoint of the world in front of you? Good or bad? Hopeful, hopeless? Mm. Why or why not? And if you could refrain from mentioning Trump in any way, <laughs> that would be helpful because obviously that's an automatic answer. <laughs> well, there's Trump, but we've talked about him already. He doesn't need any more... Uh, he doesn't you know, need any more publicity, yeah, for correct. sure. For sure. Um, so, it depends on the day. On a day when my job hunting is going really poorly, my viewpoint of the world is probably a little darker and a little less hopeful. Uh, in general, I tend to be a pessimist about myself but an optimist about my friends. And the same thing probably applies to the rest of the world. I think um, I studied ethics and philosophy, and I think, I think there are a lot of bad things about the world and a lot of bad things about people. But I also think that human beings are capable of really, really rising to better versions of themselves. Um, that's a little, that's a slightly different response than what my viewpoint on the world is. Um, the world is a little worrisome right now because I think climate change is very serious and not something that we're doing enough about. It's, um, my dad's birthday was March 9th. It's not supposed to be 70 degrees in New York on my dad's birthday. Almost 80, actually, that day. Um, and I'm not complaining because I hate snow, but it's a little worrisome and, um, a lot of the things that make it difficult for people to be better versions of themselves also make it difficult for them to be better uh, caretakers of the world, right? It's, it's easy to drive, and it's nice to have air conditioning, and I want to take a shower that's as long as I want, and, right? So I'm not excluding myself from that. I just think it makes it difficult to know that there are some things we really need to change as a culture and that we're not really doing so much to change those things as a culture. I was like a little. That was a little pessimistic. No, but, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> but but I do think there's a there's a lot of hopefulness in the world, and I'll say that um, I am I am not a millennial, which you can probably tell. But um, people talk a lot about millennials and whether they're engaged or you know whether they care about politics, about the world, about whatever. And I think it's clear that they're engaged and that they care and that they have a lot of energy. Um, and so I think that a lot of the hopefulness really is going to have to come from them, right? I think um, it's not that people my age aren't doing anything. It's just that we're older, we're more comfortable, we're a little less. Uh, we've got student loans and kids and dogs and all of that stuff. And I think the people who maybe have a little bit less of that, they've got the student loans, sadly, but um, have a little bit less of that and more energy to devote towards saving the world are probably the places to look for that. I agree. I, I don't... I think between millennial and 
something else? Yeah, I mean, the, the generational names are already kind of tough to pin down. And Millennials is a huge group because they're basically just the Baby Boomers kids. But the Baby Boomers were already a huge group. They cover something like 1940-something to 1960s. Like, it's right. yeah. it's a massive generational... Um, so, of course, their kids are also going to cover a massive span. But, yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> And my dog says, stop talking about the millennials and rub my back. <laughs> You're offending me. All right. All right. Um, one more, one last thing. Um, share a story. I like to hear people's stories. Please have a good story. Share of, a story. Of whatever. Um, all right, I'll tell you. I'll, I'm going to answer one of the questions you didn't ask again. Super, super fast. Um, you said good, bad news from oh, recently, yes. gotcha. and then for the for the cheer up, I'll tell you the story of how I got my dog. Okay. Um, so the best news that I got recently came on Wednesday, and it was that I do not, in fact, have breast cancer. The worst news that I got recently, on exactly the same day at my friend's birthday party, was that she does have breast cancer. So that was sort of an ambivalent day for me. Um, and something that happens a lot more as you hit almost 40, uh, which is where I am. Um, on a happier note, I've been distracted in answering your questions because I'm paying attention to my dog. I've had my dog for a year and a half, and I talk about him all the time. And I am the terrible human being who posts selfies with her dog on Facebook. Because what else am I going to post on Facebook right now? Um, and I really wanted a dog and had been thinking about it for years and had been in Brooklyn for just a few months when I got a place on my own in Crown Heights and uh, made sure to get a place that would accept a dog, even though I didn't have one yet. So I spent a weekend, maybe about a month, not quite a month after I moved in, maybe like two and a half weeks actually after I moved in, unpacked everything and then was like, I'm getting a dog right now. So I go to Animal Care and Control and all the way up in uh, Harlem, I think it's, a, it's like way, way up maybe in Spanish Harlem. And I meet a few dogs and they're all cute, but everyone said, your dog will pick you. So if you're not sure, the dog will let you know. So this dog was still in quarantine. I was the very first person to meet him. And when they brought him out to meet me, I sat on a bench. And as soon as I sat on the bench, he came right up and put his feet on my lap and stuck his head on my chest. And that was my dog. And he's been my best bud. This is basically what he did, just like this. He's been my best bud ever since. And it is the best choice that I have made in several years. Mm, right next to moving to Brooklyn, I think, actually. Because I'm happy about that one, too. That's my story. Thanks for listening to this episode of Minutes Heard. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow or subscribe to Minute Maid New York on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube.